Hello, my spooky friends. I'm John, your host, and welcome to another episode of Dairyland Frights, the paranormal podcast that covers everything creepy, spooky, and mysterious in the Midwest. And today, I'm joined by another great spooky guest. On the podcast is Tracy from Total Conundrum Podcast. Hi, Tracy. How are you? Oh, how are you? I, I'm doing great and better that I have you on the show to talk about some interesting things uh, regarding the paranormal and true crime and some other things here. So, yeah, we've um, uh, had a little difficulty connecting. I was sick and now Jeremy's sick. So I'm like, we're going, we're going for it. <laughs> we're going. And we're practically neighbors. Uh, we are. Uh, Tracy's in Minnesota, I'm in Wisconsin. So, yes. I'd love to have a Midwest person on the show as much as I can get. <laughs> and we'll try not to throw our accents out there too much. <laughs> yeah, we'll try not to be like, yeah, hey, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll you betcha, it. don't you know? <laughs> you betcha, you know it. You know it. People laugh at us. Well, that's okay. Um, so, tell me about your podcast, Tracy Total Conundrum. Yeah, we have um, our podcast is True Crime, Paranormal. The unexplained, a little bit of everything. And we, uh, you know, research and tell stories as much as we can, you know, with the ghost stories and the unexplained. It's really hard to get the true accounts. You just do your research and go with what the majority says. But, um, no, we, uh, it's my husband and I, Jeremy, and we've been going. For, I think we've been live for about seven months now, and we're loving it. Absolutely loving it. Yeah. And again, do yourself a favor, my spooky friends. If you have a chance to listen to the podcast, uh, Total Conundrum, please do. These guys are great. They have great stories, including one of my favorites about the gentleman who was calling fast food restaurants and making the manager like strip search their employees and stuff. That's crazy. Talk a little bit about that story. Just kind of give my spooky friends a little uh, thing. Yeah. So I came across it watching a documentary and it's called don't pick up the phone. And it's about this guy that um, lived in Florida that was calling fast food places all over the United States. And he was, he would give a brief, like a very vague description of an employee or even a patron of the restaurant. And then he, they would bring him back to the office and strip search him, have him do certain things, some very not appropriate sexual things. And then he would, hang up and that would be it and one of the girls that was probably the most assaulted um actually went to court and took them took mcdonald's to court and she won her case and there was not i think there was i can't remember how many restaurants 74 or 94 something like that that had this happen across the country and it basically came down to two detectives, one in um, the east and one in the south. And they kind of solved the case together. But I won't uh, I won't give away the ending. But yeah, it's a it's a great. Um, it's not a great story, but it's just <laughs> incredible how the human psyche will mm. 
follow those things. But um, in the episode, I also talked about there was um, in the 50s, they, this one scientist did testing and he had right. like the scientist, the teacher, um, the student or whatever. And the scientist was just the one giving, you know, like would tell them what to do. The teacher was trying to teach the student questions or answers to questions or there was like it was like a memory game i think it's been so long since i um watched the documentary now but so he would give him like five words in a row and then the student would have to repeat them well the student was in on it and but the teacher didn't know that so the teacher would have to issue a shock to the student and each time increasing the voltage and the student on the other side was pretending like he was in agony and how many people would continue to do this. And there was this one guy in the video that I was watching. He's like, I can't do this. I'm going to kill him. And he's like, you have to. And so he does. And I'm like, what? How? You know, but it's crazy when you think that you're in a position of having to listen to somebody in authority, how many people will not stop right and, and i saw that experiment too and exactly what you're talking about sometimes you know the the other person was an actor so people understand yep. that and they weren't really being shocked so no. understand that too but still the person didn't know it administering the shocks they had no right. clue they weren't in on it and there was just a guy with a clipboard and a and a lab coat saying yep go do it nope yeah you gotta do it and people were like Okay, and here's the crazy number. This is a number I'll never forget. Fifty-two percent of the people continued to give shocks to a fatal level. Yes. Okay. Okay. Only ten to twelve percent said no. I'm not doing this, and got up and left. Just said right. no. I'm not doing this. So think about that for a second, Tracy. Over half of people were willing to kill a person because a guy in a clipboard told, told them to. You, told you, you have to. to. You right. You have to. You have to. Like, that's insane. No. You know, there's I, no way. No way I would. No I do that. I just look at the dude and be like, no. You're crazy. <laughs> You're crazy. I'm out of here. Yeah, no uh, way. It, 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 yeah, and it was the same thing with this. Um, go do yourself a favor and watch it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's called, just they made a movie out of it. I can't, yeah, don't pick up the phone. It's an empty document. I cannot remember the movie. If I find it, I'll put it in the uh, show notes. Um, I remember watching the movie. It's not a great movie, but it, it really, it really just made you just go, "Wow, am I am I seriously? Is this real?" And you're like, it's "Yeah, it's real." Mm. So yeah, and let's when, get to the. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say in, in the story that I did, I only covered a handful of the cases, too. It was yeah. insane. It was crazy. So go ahead, go ahead. Uh, and listen to that episode. You're going to love it, along with all the other episodes uh, Tracy and Jeremy do. So, so Tracy, what got you interested in the paranormal? Like, well, like. Did you have a paranormal experience, uh, or, or you know, what uh, made you like, hey, let's let's get this podcast and talk about all these creepy, mysterious things? Mysterious things. Well, when I was growing up, I grew up in a very old farmhouse, and to this day, I 
I believe that things happen, but I don't know if a lot of it, you know, sometimes people put it in your head that you were just a kid. You were imagining your imagination was getting the best of you. But so this house was so old that it didn't have like a furnace or anything. It had the wood stove in the basement and then it had the huge metal grate in the floor in the living room. And that's where all the heat came up from was from the wood stove in the basement. And then in the two bedrooms on the main level, there was a square hole on the top of this by the ceiling in the wall and then one on the bottom. And that's how the heat circulated through the rooms. And so in the summertime, my bedroom was upstairs. In the wintertime, my bedroom had to be downstairs because the heat didn't get upstairs. And this house had like the, instead of having like siding, it had shingles for siding. It was a really old, old farmhouse. Very, I wish it still was standing because it'd be very cool to go back and see it again. But yeah. anyway, um, there was a night that my mom's best friend, when her were playing cards and her daughter and I were also best friends and we were in bed and there was a hand that came out of one of those holes in the wall and it was holding a knife and it was like floating over us. And we both, you know, have recollections of this. So it's like, it had to have happened because you know, I still talk to her to this day and she remembers these things. Um, there was another time um, when I was older, we moved out of the house because it was just kind of, it needed a lot. And we had put a different house on the property. And when I was in high school, my girlfriends, when they'd come over there, we'd dare each other to sleep upstairs in, in ah. the old house because, you know, there was all sorts of creepy things that would happen. And the one night, a girlfriend and I, we did, we went up to one of the old bedrooms or one of the old bedrooms upstairs and flipped down a mattress that was up there and brought snacks and just kind of chilled and fell asleep. And we woke up in the middle of the night and we heard this crinkling. And I looked and I took the flashlight and our chip bag was moving across the floor. And I was like, Oh no, no, no. So I woke her up and I'm like, we got to get out of here. Cause I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't see anything moving it. And so anyway, we, uh, I went running for the stairs and I don't remember my feet hitting a single stair going down. Cause <laughs> I was like out of there. And then I was halfway to the other house and I turned around cause I heard my friend screaming and I was like, oh, crap, she wasn't behind me. So I ran back into the house and she was at the top of the stairs and I was at the bottom and she was like pushing herself forward. And I don't know how to explain it, but she was kind of like at this angle. So she should have been falling. But she said she couldn't move. Something was holding her and she was trying to push against it to get down the stairs. And then. I just screamed, let her go. And then she kind of like fumbled down the stairs. She didn't like fall, but she started to like lose her balance. And then she came down the stairs and we've had other incidences, even like the, we had the old barns. There was an outhouse 
on the property that had uh, a heart carved in it and it said, Matt loves Mabel. And Matt at 90, what was he, 97 years old, came back to the property. So we got to meet the Matt and the Matt loves Mabel. So it was kind of cool. But yeah, there was weird things that would happen in the barns. I would see eyes, um, just weird lights. And then, you know, being outside even, it was just, just always, you could always felt like something was watching you. So that, I was always scared to death of ghosts. And when I was in my 20s, I was a waitress at a bar, and we actually did an episode on this. I I actually talked to the owner, the current owner of the bar. Now, she was just a bartender back when this happened. But anyway, I had a little girl ghost follow me home one night Mm. from the bar and she was doing all sorts of crazy things with my kids toys and I wasn't sleeping I couldn't sleep but I wasn't brave enough to run into their room to see what was you know she never did anything like malevolent or anything Mm. it was just playing with toys setting the toys off and the one night you know everybody kept my ex told me I was crazy I was just hearing things and but the the cherry on the cake will say it was the one night I kept hearing this plastic bag, like crunk, crumpling and stuff and this noise with a plastic bag. And I finally got up and went into the room and my kids were three and one at the time, my two oldest. And there was a little girl's name written on this plastic bag. Wow. And my kids weren't old enough to write. And so I called a friend of mine. She came over and saged and she told me I had to stand in the middle of my room and, um, or the middle of the house or living room or whatever and say, I'm sorry, you can't stay here with me. I need to bring you back to where you belong. And so that night I went to work and I, the whole ride to work, the hair was standing up on the back of my neck. And I think yeah. I quit shortly thereafter because I was like, I can't, I can't deal with that. I can't bring this stuff home. Right. And another ish or another thing I had happened, I was 18 or 19. And I don't know if you're familiar with Hinkley, Minnesota. No. Okay. So Hinkley, Minnesota was like the big, um, it was the bigger than Minneapolis in the 1800s because it was like the big logging industry was happening. And so everybody was moving up their logging. They were running the logs down the river and stuff. And so in the 1800s, there was the Great Hinkley Fire. And a lot of people died um, in a long range, like from multiple towns. And people were on the train trying to get out of town and they were killed on, you know, because the train ran into the fire and people were going into lakes and rivers trying to escape. And so in Hinkley, there is a big monument in the graveyard and it's a bunch of unidentified bodies from the great Hinkley fire. So it's just like a big mass grave. But anyway, one night um, my ex and I were driving down the road and it 
suddenly got really foggy and it wasn't odd for it to be foggy in that area because there was a lot of um what do they call those the fisheries where they're like growing the baby fish to to repopulate the lakes and stuff yeah so they had a lot of those ponds and stuff in that area so it wasn't uncommon for it to be foggy but our headlights were almost like shining back at us and it was really hard to see and we came out of the fog and I noticed there was a guy walking alongside the road excuse me and as we got closer to him I noticed he was wearing like a an old style suit with like the um the tails and he had a top hat on and he was walking with a cane and he turned and looked at us and he had no face yeah. and wow. my ex was leaving for vacation with his family the next day for a week and I went and stayed at my uncle's house cuz I wasn't it was so close to our place I didn't want to be there Ooh. no kidding <laughs> But we, I love Halloween. I love decorate. We do a huge Halloween display every year. We put on a little uh, animatronics haunted house. And I love doing that stuff. But you will not catch me going to like a, a stage jump scare haunted house. Because I just <laughs> sure, don't like sure. being scared. Jeremy and I have gone out and done a little paranormal investigating. Um, we went up to a potter or uh, excuse me. Um, what do you call it? Uh, a poor farm cemetery in Duluth oh, that's supposedly right. haunted. And we did some investigating up there. Um, I'm slowly getting more at ease with that because I guess, you know, ghosts are better than real people because, you know, some pe- <laughs> real people suck. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm getting better at that where it doesn't scare me as much, but I hate jump scare stuff. So, you know, I love to do and investigate and learn more about what happened and you know to communicate that's getting easier for me but the jump scare is not for me (laughs) i hear you i'm totally on board with that because you know i i like if i would ever see a ghost i always tell people i'd scream like a little girl and run the other way Uh, oh yeah i'm mad enough to admit that um that's those are great stories you shared. I, I love that because we're we're kind of similar in that way, in the sense of like my grandma lived in Iowa. We'd always go to my grandma's house to like you know visit grandma. She lived in this old farmhouse with grandpa, and that was one of my first paranormal experiences where I was um, oh, a teenager at the time, and uh, I was just sitting there and I would hear footsteps at night, and then you know everybody oh it's grandma or grandpa up. Uh, and then, but one time I was sitting there and I was just getting ready to leave. Uh, and the, the door opened from the stairs because I mean, it was old, crickety wooden stairs, oh, yeah. you know, most farmhouses. Yeah. And the door opened and I thought it was like my grandma or my grandpa. And I, and I said, Hey, grandma, hi, grandpa. And nobody was there. And those and doors just, are heavy in those old farmhouses. Those, too. yes. Yes. And people don't understand, like, it's not today with your houses where you can put your fist through the door if you're, if right, you're really bad at it or whatever. No, you, you'd like, not with those doors. <laughs> you would break your hand. Oh, uh, definitely. It, they were solid. And the other thing, yeah, and the other thing you shared uh, about the, the fire, uh, the Pestigo fire uh, was like, 
the Hinkley fire. I'm sorry. What was the name of the fire again? Hinkley. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Pestigo fire killed more people in Wisconsin in Pestigo than the great Chicago fire did. And they happened at the same time. So nobody remembers the, the great Pestico fire, which killed more people in a short amount of time and destroyed the entire town of Pestico. Very similar to the Hinkley fire. Yeah, the Hinkley uh, fire, Pest- I can't remember where it started. It actually started north and it took a trail through, I know, like Sandstone yeah. and Hinkley. And um, I don't remember where it stopped or where it started. There is a Hinkley fire museum. And yes. that was a place that they used to take us in grade school for a field trip. <laughs> Let's take you to a museum that of museum all of, of these people that just perish. <laughs> Death you yeah. burned alive. <laughs> the eighties was uh, an interesting yeah. time. <laughs> interesting time, right? Right. Like uh, this, the skull yeah. and crossbones. Right. Yeah, I would. <laughs> parents would freak out nowadays if oh, signing waivers yes. and there'd be lawsuits. Uh, but the Pestigo Fire 2 is very similar to that. They have uh, a museum. We did a, um episode on that. Uh, they also have a memorial. And it, again, it's very haunted. You go in that area. It's a mass grave because they couldn't figure out who was who because of all the – everybody was just basically uh, charcoal, for lack of a better word. And you just could, you couldn't tell. So it's a mass grave. It's extremely haunted. It's you look at some of the statistics that they shared that they think is, you know, how many people died. It's insane. Like I said, it totally dwarfs the great Chicago fire as far as deaths. I mean, and you think about it like in this day and age, if something like that happened, most of the people would be able to escape. But back then, their only means of transportation were wagons, their horses and the train. Yeah. So they were landlocked. They were stuck, which is yeah, you were stuck. gross. Yeah. <laughs> and if you were poor, maybe you don't have a horse. Maybe right. You don't have a wagon. Uh, so you're running for your life. Right. And to escape a fire, not going to happen. No. Yeah. No. And then people and, and were. The funny thing is that with the Pestival Fire, similar to the Hinkley Fire, kind of started at one area. And then just swept through because of the winds and other mm-hmm. things, you know, crazy. So it's just, yeah, it's and, and the 1800s no, was you. not a great time no. <laughs> to be alive. No, I mean, sometimes if you made it into your 30s, you were lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Just crazy. Exactly. I know. Well, that sounds great. Thank you for sharing those stories, uh, Tracy. Those were awesome. And like I said, I will put on in the in the show notes when this comes out all her great uh, social media sites, and so you go look at Total Conundrum and enjoy some of the great stories they do because we do everything a little bit differently. So, and it's from yeah. a Midwest point of view. So uh, I always give props to my Midwest people. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, so let's get a little teaser, shall we, into today's subject. Tracy, what if I told you about a small town that went missing after the government had built an experimental communications facility near the town? After searching for information about 
Doveland, Wisconsin, or Doveland, Wisconsin, I discovered quickly that no one knows exactly where this mysterious town was supposedly located, and only that it was a small community located in the heart of the state of Wisconsin. So, wow. <laughs> interesting, right? And it gets that even is better. very interesting. So he, here's the thing, and this has really kind of scared me. When I was researching this, my uh, so I have like most people have like antivirus protection and stuff. You got to have that nowadays for your computer, right? Right. So no people break in there. When I was going to these sites, warnings kept on coming up saying this is not a uh, it's a malicious site. It's whatever. Not safe. And I was like. It's not safe. And I'm like, and then my laptop acted weird. And I was like, huh, <laughs> this has never done this before when I've been researching things. It, well, every time I put in Dublin, Wisconsin, it's something weird would happen to my laptop. I mean, I know that the government probably hears the same rumors as, you know, like they, you know, being from Minnesota, you got that Minnesota Wisconsin rivalry with the yes. the Vikings and the Packers, and, yeah. and you know they always say we call people from Wisconsin Scannies, you know, yeah, and you know they always say the Scannies know how to tip back those, uh, you know, old mill old Milwaukee's, you know, <laughs> so the government think that because they were in a smaller area and it was a small town that people would just be drunk and forgot it existed. I'm sorry. the people aren't drinking that much to forget a damn town (laughs) you're darn right you're darn right so so let's get to my sources really quickly tracy till we get into the heart of the story and then like i said i'd love to hear your opinions um first is q985 online the legend of dublin wisconsin disappearance um my second one was the history of historic mysteries.com website uh, the Ghost in the Cabin website, Unsolved Mysteries, believe it or not, did a, if you remember that show at all, back in mm-hmm. we were younger, they brought it back, but it's not the same without Robert Stack. No, you did Stack Attack. Like, did you do, do, do. And then Vox.com, as well as I did some History Defined um, site, too. So a lot of historic stuff I tried to look up. Uh, each had their own little story behind Dublin, Wisconsin. So let's talk about it. <clears throat> the mysterious history behind Dublin, Wisconsin, or Doveland, however you pronounce it, was supposedly a small town that somehow disappeared. Now, this is scary, Tracy. In the 1990s, this is not. 1990s? Yeah, this is not 1800s. This isn't 1940. 1990s okay did they was that a year that the packers were at the super bowl or something did they think that (laughs) would distract us (laughs) 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 yeah there you go they put the pack pack attack in the super bowl so they could disappear the town (laughs) i love the way you think tracy me and you are best buds right now (laughs) okay so some people in wisconsin (laughs) actually allegedly have shirts mugs souvenirs from the town and some even remember it like relatives who live there now yes you can go and buy a mug or a, a t-shirt that says that they're fake people i will say they are fake 
Someone just made them up, so let's not get too crazy here. Um, but there are no historical documents that prove Dublin, Wisconsin existed. However, later on, I'll tell you some stories here that make you kind of go, huh. So there are no mentions, Tracy, of Dublin on any mentions of Wisconsin maps. So there's nothing on there. But Dublin might only be real in people's imaginations, which is scary to me that you would just have like make up a town in your head. But let's pretend for a minute that it was a real town and that it did vanish, Tracy. What could have happened to it? So many conspiracy theorists believe Dublin was destroyed in connection with the project Elf. Okay, and no, not the movie Elf with, you know, uh, Will Ferrell. (laughs) (laughs) And all evidence of the existence of it had been scrubbed from the internet and the local archives. So what do you think about that? Do you think someone could do that? Maybe? An entire town. I mean, Tracy. They've been hiding aliens from us all these years, so right. I guess. I mean, if you distract, I mean, that's the thing that's they always put something when there's something that they're doing. It seems like they distract you with something else to pull your eyes, the wool over your eyes, with the other things. So, absolutely. I mean, I would think it would be hard to disappear a whole town, but it could be that they. It, you know, maybe whatever was profiting the town or helping the people in the town closed down and then it just kind of dissipated from there. Yeah. So I'm not yeah. sure. Right. So let me get into that and then you can kind of pipe in whenever you want to just chime in or whatever. Um, it sure. is very difficult to prove that something doesn't exist. It is also seems right. unlikely that the military could get away of destroying a town without anyone having a concrete memory of it. Okay, so what is Project Elf? Okay, very quickly, so people understand this. In the 1960s, U.S. Navy officials concocted an ambitious plan. They wanted to bury gigantic grid of cables under roughly, get this, 41% of the state of Wisconsin to turn oh my God. the bedrock into the world's largest radio antenna. So, so think about that. Nearly half of the state of Wisconsin, they wanted to bury these cables under to communicate with their subs, which I'll get into. So the project was called Project Sanguine. And although it sounds crazy, it was logical, although impractical way of communicating with deep, see submarines around the world. The problem is that radio waves don't travel well through water, so there was no good way to send signals to a nuclear-powered sub that stayed submerged during the months of the Cold War. So Project Sanguine would have to be an antenna for transmitting, and this is where ALF comes in, extremely low-frequency waves that can penetrate water and reach the subs. Now, okay. believe it or not, this, according to most sources, it never happened largely because of the huge cost, potentially billions of dollars in environmental disturbances would have been 
Well, it would have been required. In other words, they can destroy the environment. It's going to cost billions of dollars back in 1960s. But they had an idea about a smaller version called Project Elf, which was eventually built in Wisconsin and Michigan, Upper Peninsula, and operated this. Actually, you can still see the cables between 1989 and 2004. So think about that. This is actually a thing that happened, okay? But the cables do not go underneath the bedrock. They're like uh, telephone wires, for lack of a better word. Okay. Which is scary in itself, because what are they, what kind of EMF is coming off of those? And I know for myself, when we had a cabin up in Swatera, and they put the high power lines up there. And there was um when Duluth had the big flooding a few what was that like ten years ago, maybe eight years ago, when it took out like the zoo and everything, that flooding was affected Swatera as well. And we went went up there with our four wheelers and we had a trailer. You know, our tra- our four wheelers were on a trailer and we were hauling them and stuff, and we were having to drive through like water that was up to the top of our tires to try to get to our cabin and the road was so soft the trailer kind of when we turned to go into the cabin the trailer kind of slid into the ditch a little bit and we got out and we weren't even standing in water it was just the fact that the ground was so wet that I felt like I had a million bugs in my hair and it was the from the high power lines I had to get back into the car because I could not stand it. I'm like, what is it doing to my brain? If I can feel this, the electricity, I, I, I was like, we're not staying here. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So to make it work, one of the things people forget here is, um, like you said, it had electricity just kind of just going out there and kind of freaking people out. And what what they wanted to do was, when they were trying to do it through the bedrock, this is crazy. This is something I just want to Because they said they didn't do it, but I'm kind of like, yeah, maybe they did. And they just didn't tell us. So, so the bedrock has a really good conductor of the electricity current when it was sent through it. So the current would throw in the ground in between forming a huge loop to complete the circuit. Now get this, the bedrock throbbed with electricity. So the electricity would be like coming into the bedrock, but would come out of the bedrock. You know what I mean? So it kind of like dissipate through there and it create a magnetic field that would generate elf waves. So in other words, yeah, you're going like into this huge magnetic field, which is never good uh, for the human body, uh, you know, and it was just crazy. And it's the same thing once they started putting these basically high power lines up, the same thing would happen too. This area would just have these intrusive cables and they would just, they would just tons of electricity and, and power is just coming off of these things, creating like this huge magnetic field in order to send the elf waves to the subs. Now, was, I, I know, right? <laughs> but they did this in, so this is so stupid. And, and nothing against people in Wyoming or the Appalachians, but this is where they tested it, okay? So it's not like 
you have a lot of people in that area. And, you know, in Upper Peninsula, and if you've ever been up there, if you love fishing, if you love hunting, if you love hiking, whatever you love, you're an outdoors person, you go up there, right? Mm-hmm. Don't pronounce their lakes wrong, though. Yes, don't yeah. Don't <laughs> they do that, get totally very totally. upset. <laughs> They're very upset. Midwest people, here's your tip for Midwest people. You go to the Upper Peninsula, learn to do their lake. They're in the lakes. So, so. <laughs> we went up to... uh Go Gibbick, and we were calling it Geobec because that's what it looked like. And they're like, "It is sure. Go Gibbick," and I'm like, "I'm sorry." <laughs> but okay. we should know better because Minnesota and Wisconsin also have a bunch of towns that are yeah, impossible yeah. to yeah. pronounce. So pronounce right, exactly. And then people stare at you, and then you're just like, "How do I pronounce it?" Uh, so these elf waves that were being produced. Getting back to this, the Navy officials settled on. I thought this was crazy. On the forest of Upper Wisconsin, it's the ideal location. And the, there's this uh, Lortitian granite bedroom that had the right characteristics that they could run this cable underneath. At least they say they could, but they didn't. They keep saying they did, but the granite thing was really good. So yeah. they la- look at how many miles of cables they laid in the Upper Peninsula. 6,000 miles. Jeez. Yeah, so it covered the whole entire Upper Peninsula into, into Wisconsin. Wow. <laughs> so imagine these cables. And again, some of them are still there. They they haven't took them down. They've been trying to take them down from time to time, but some are still there. You still can see them. So they must have had to zigzag them, kind of, to reach that 6,000. Because how far... Isn't California like from Minnesota like twenty four hundred miles or something? I, I'm thinking they went around like so many damn times or something. You know, maybe I don't that's know. that's a lot of cable or a lot that's of miles. A lot of cable. That is a lot of cable. You're darn right. So maybe they had to do it two or three, four times. I don't know, but it, it just doesn't sound right, right? It's just, no. <laughs> whether that number's right or wrong, it's still like, yeah. <laughs> And it's going through bedrock and granite, that's not yeah. an easy task. No, no. And so they put this out and they did their best because they were worried about, it's the Cold War. So if anybody's in the 80s, me and Tracy remember the Cold War, where you're yeah. like, at any time the Russians would launch a nuclear weapon and we'll be attacked yeah. and we'll all have to learn Russian because they're all going to take us over Right, Tracy, remember that? Like, you I know, remember it, was crazy. it yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, every time someone said, the Russians are mad, everyone would build a bomb shelter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was a crazy time. It was. It was. It was a crazy time because you just didn't know. I mean, there was always the Russians saying something, then the Americans would say something. Uh, and then, you know, Reagan, would, who was our president at the time, would be like, well, we're going to build Star Wars and we're going to shoot down the missiles. And you're like, what is going on? <laughs> at my recollection of Reagan, I was, so I was born in 75. And when I remember, I kept thinking, you know, like when somebody would talk about our president, I'm like, 
Oh, our president kissed a, a monkey, and he was in that movie Bedtime for Bonzo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was my thought of you know who President Reagan was. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, right, and you know, it, it's I don't know. Some people love him. Some well, this is not a political podcast. So nope, not, I don't want to go into any politics. That was just my anyway. recollection of him. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So. Guess what? Uh, Wisconsin residents protested duh, when they heard about the classified plan. By the way, it was classified and it got out. I don't. I have no idea why. Um, so they went through this, and then in 1973. So remember, this started in the 60s that they were putting this plan out and talking about how they're going to do this and all this good stuff. So, in 1973, Secretary of Defense Melvin Laird killed the plane. Okay, so great, right? He said, no, this is too expensive. You know, we're going to destroy the beautiful Wisconsin wilderness and people are protesting. Forget it. So, he said, why don't we just build these um, small, modest transmitters and we'll put them on Clam Lake, Wisconsin, in Clam Lake, Wisconsin, which does exist, by the way. They didn't make that disappear. (laughs) Yeah, they didn't make that disappear. So they said, let's do that. So again, more protests, especially for residents who feared the health and and effects of the installation. Duh. Uh, You know, ELF had many other types of non-ionizing radiation. Oh, by the way, I've got radiation, Tracy. So when you're in a magnetic field, it has certain radiation effects on you. You lose your hair. It causes cancer. cancer. Yeah, all the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things they said was, again, um, let's try this. Let's see what happens. And then finally said, no, it's not going to work because everybody's protesting. It became huge news across the country. So they just shut it down in 1977. They said, all right, we're done. We get it. We get it. Okay. So, however, under Pro- President Reagan... He revived the project, okay, Uh, because he basically came out and said the Russians are going to kill us all. You know, the Russians, the Russians, the Russians, and everybody got scared. So he said, okay, let's do this. But this time, like I said, the Wisconsin had 28 miles of these cables. So they didn't build the 6,000 miles they wanted to do and put it all over Wisconsin and Michigan and every places, whatever the hell they were going to do. They decided to do just a little project, right? And they strung it on power lines, just like the wooden power lines you see every day with electricity. And uh, they built a little bit of a site in Wisconsin, and then they put some in uh, Michigan. And the cables were uh, arranged in a crisscross fashion to broadcast signals, both laterally and longitudinally, at each line to reach out through the uh, subs. And one of the things, too, uh, which we know uh, that, again, they did put some under the bedrock just to try it. They said, you are just going to put a little bit under here. So they didn't put too much. They just put a little bit under there. Nobody knew about it until later when they released the classified documents. So they lied to us again. What you know, uh, and these. Elf waves were coming up through the bedrock and causing issues. You know, a lot of people were saying, hey, there's the wildlife. There's something going on up there. What's going on? You know, it's affecting the plants, the wildlife, everything. And they were like, I thought you said this was going to do anything. 
Oh, so, and I always say, <laughs> yeah, I always say too, it, it communicated with the mole people who had civilizations in hollow earth. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if any of you guys know about hollow earth and there's people under the earth and they have a whole thing, I don't know. I would love that to kind do of that go one. along with the flat earth theory too. <laughs> crack, crack. Yeah. So again, they continued, the residents continued to protest and then the cold war ended. So the, the installation looked less and less necessary because we got satellites, we got all this stuff. We, we didn't really need it anymore. So, so in 1996, a Michigan resident named Tom Howard Hastings entered the site and cut down several antenna poles. And in ensuing years, Wisconsin Senator Rush, Russell Feingold, who's no longer our senator anymore, introduced several bills at closing the project. So, in other words, there are people going out there literally, Tracy, and cutting down the poles, which is not a smart idea because these are high elf waves, right. very dangerous, extremely right. dangerous. And then Russ Feingold said, we got we got to get rid of these things because they were still working. You know, they were still emitting the energy and the radiation and all that stuff. And everybody was like, oh, well, we turned off the power button. It should not work. Well, yeah, it still does work. <laughs> so in tests, um, like I said, they started to use it again. I, I just don't get this. Because they said, okay, our satellites are not doing what we still need this thing. Okay, so what they decided to do is they started to open up the system again in 1989. Because like I said, during the 90s and stuff, they're trying to solve this. And they're trying the 70s and 80s. So they would secretly just government would say, well, let's let's put it, let's flip the switch back on and try it. Because they would reach out to places in the Arctic that the satellites couldn't hit. But but finally, in 2004, the Navy shut down Project Alf, dismantling some 84 miles of cable. Thus, the Russian Navy still uses Alf. So the Russians still use Alf. We supposedly do not <laughs> yes and the they use like these vfl waves and buoys that the that they use are much safer and everything like that so so what does this have to do with dublin wisconsin a lot of people think that two or three things happened to dublin wisconsin so the first thing they said was <clears throat> that excuse me the town was swallowed up by a sinkhole caused by this, these waves, because they kept on shutting them off and turning them on and, and, you know, you know, everything like that. So a giant sinkhole swallowed the town. Okay. But you're like, uh -huh. you're like, well, I don't know if you've heard a lot about sinkholes, Tracy, but like in Florida, they're bad. Like people have lost homes and neighborhoods have been swallowed up by sinkholes. Just go on but YouTube they, and enter like, sinkholes swallowing houses and you will right. see an entire house go crashing down because of the sinkhole so so okay the other thing is they thought it was because of a massive earthquake now wisconsin is in not wisconsin? Any typical yeah <laughs> so wisconsin's not any typically fault lines although people have argued that the vibration from these waves and everything could have caused uh, an earthquake 
per se. You know, yeah. it's not really an earthquake, but it's it's something that could have done this. Others believe, and this is my favorite one, <laughs> others believe the town was cursed by a vengeful spirit who caused the town and its people to disappear as punishment for a long-forgotten transgression. Now, I looked this up. What they think happened was that these waves or radiation awakened an evil spirit. There was a lot of energy for that spirit to be able to feed off of. Correct. 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 Absolutely. There you go, Tracy. So what what happened, what they thought was there was this evil spirit. This thing sucked up all these energy and that said, all right, Dublin, Wisconsin. Bam, I'm going to destroy you. I love that one. That's my favorite one. Um, well, the energy fits. And if it was the spirit was angry yeah, enough. Right. <laughs> As we know from being into the paranormal, that's what paranormal, the ghost spirits feed off of is right, energy, energy. Right. And imagine a massive amount. <laughs> that's that could do something. Well, you've already <laughs> got the the bedrock underneath so they feed yes. off of the energy of the rock and if you're powering that rock you're yeah watch out gonna have to call ghostbusters yes <laughs> <laughs> the other thing too and this has happened to other towns uh, uh probably in minnesota too where they've dammed up certain rivers and everything and the towns near the rivers and stuff well they just became ghost towns because well there's they dammed up the river that's what we kind of need uh, to survive, um, and uh, you know, they kick the people out because they're like, "Hey, we dammed up this river, so now you guys got to leave because it's this dam breaks, it's going to destroy things." So I'm like, "Okay, I've looked that up. That has happened. It has yeah, yeah. Um, in Wisconsin as long and around the Midwest and the United States, the military has dammed up certain places, and for whatever reason, you know, the the, the town just became a ghost town." So it is true. It does happen. It does happen. Uh, so one of the things that said too is Dublin residents moved away due to a failing economy. So I similarly, they that. damned something up with the military. You know, like all this radiation and stuff, and people are getting sick. Hey, that has happened too, to mostly because of water. You know, there's many mm. stories out there where towns have gotten uh, people got leukemia from drinking the water, cancers, whatever. Uh, because of corporations or military, whatever, and people leave. So that, okay, right? Uh, yeah. Kind of makes sense. And then totally. Dublin was a, what they call a military town that ceased to exist when the operation was over. So, so you know, everybody just left. Everybody just left. <laughs> right? Right? Makes sense. Just, just, yeah, it just happens. Yeah. So the other thing then, of course, one of my favorite ones was Dublin was destroyed by a military science experiment, Project Sanguine, that went wrong. And what they say what happened is there is a Dublin, Wisconsin, but it's in an alternate universe. So like it's like you wake up every morning, Tracy, and you think you're going to work. Well, you're not in this universe. You're in a different universe. But you oh, think it got you sucked are into a whole other got sucked into a whole other timeline. <laughs> yeah. You're in a whole different Crazy. timeline and you just, right. And you're just like, okay, you know, here I am. <laughs> Good thing uh, nobody I in that town works outside of the town. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like you go outside the town and you know, you've seen those maybe movies or stories. Yes. Or where you can't zone. cross the borders. <laughs> yes. So that could be right. Who knows? It could be. Now, I want to talk about, I want to talk about something really quick. It's called the Mendeleev effect. 
This is really, it's a type of false memory that occurs when many people incorrectly remember the same thing. It refers to the widespread false memory that Nelson Mandela died in prison in the 1980s. So this is a real thing. So people will like, and I do it all the time, where I'll try to remember something and I'll be like, I remember you being at that party. Like, I I remember you. And And then my buddy goes, no, dude, I was never at your party. I'm like, you sure? Because I remember you at my party. He's like, I wasn't at your party. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, Tracy. Oh, oh yes. Remember a movie or something that people go? We actually did an episode on it. Yeah, we actually did an episode on it. And Jeremy was quite funny going through because he's like, well, if you think this is da-da-da-da-da, I'm like, yeah, it was. He's like, well, you're wrong. I'm like, no, I'm not. So we had a lot of fun with that one, but there's so much out there that, yes. um, but the theory that I've heard on it is that in, was it 2012, that supposedly the world rebooted and that's when everything changed or something. I don't know if yes. I necessarily believe that, but, but like Tom Cruise. When in Risky Business, he goes skirting across in his socks and his, you know, his, you know, whitey tighties and the button down shirt. I yeah. remember him having sunglasses on. He doesn't. Um, Curious George, he's a monkey. He should have a tail. He doesn't. You know, things like that. The Mandela effect Absolutely. blows my mind. Yeah. And there's the Bernstein bears and the Barnstein bears or something like that. Bernstein and there, Bernstein. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And then there's. Then you've got. Uh, movies there's like there was this one movie that that's called shazam shazam or kazam right kazam one of the two yeah 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 it's supposed to have Shaq in it but it's not um oh i'm trying to think the actor's name um oh my gosh uh sinbad yeah sinbad yeah yep and people that's a big one yeah i remember sinbad in this movie that movie's never existed right how about the um monopoly guy monocle or no monocle Right. That's yep. just awesome. That's just awesome. <laughs> so, so what I found was some notable personal accounts that people say it existed. So check this out, Tracy. All right. So, so one of the first accounts is, this is from, uh, it actually was an army person um, that supposedly worked on this project and was in Dublin, Wisconsin. He totally remembers it. He says, I just learned about all the noise surrounding Dublin, and I think I can add some insight. Dublin was a small town in Wisconsin that housed many military families. My father lived there for a year or two and spoke of it occasionally. The main thing I remember is that, remember that it had to do with Project Sanguine in the early 60s. I don't think it was X-Files type stuff, but the town was destroyed after an incident Uh, i thought they were digging up a ton of land for something and they flooded the town or something but this is this is rehashed secondhand memory from years ago and this is from um private g genie uh ivanov uh uh whatever i don't know what unit he was in but you see what he's saying he's like he remembers the town he remembers his dad living in the town right Hold on one second. Yeah. Put a tickle in my throat. Okay. 
So, so this is the other thing the other someone thing. said. And this is Nate Allen. Uh, he said that the locations for Dublin don't coincide with Project Sanguine, a.k.a. Project L. Due to the bedrock, there are two elf sites no longer in operation, with one being outside of Clam Lake, Wisconsin, and the other in the UP, Upper Peninsula. That's yeah. Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are extremely low-frequency transmitters that use the bedrock to bounce signals under the crust to signal nuclear submarines to surface to receive action messages. The antennas were above ground and looked like power lines running through the middle of the forest. If the antennas were buried, then they'd be short out to earth ground and be useless. I'm an amateur radio operator, so this is second nature to me. There is nothing sci-fi about sanguine and nothing that could cause an accident where a town would disappear, but there have been studies about the, like he talks about, increase in cancer due to the power and frequencies used at these sites. Right. So Nate is like, no, it wouldn't work. Like, this doesn't, you know, I don't know what they're talking about. But it's funny that these people, like, bring this up, right? It's like. Oh, totally. It's not on the maps. There's no history. There's no nothing. And people are like, I heard about it or I saw that. Uh, the next one I thought was really interesting, too. So this gentleman, oh, I don't got a name on this one, but but he he's, he was countering back to the gentleman who said, hey, you know, this, this is, Dublin didn't want to uh, uh, exist. He says, as someone who has lived in various places in Wisconsin for over 30 years and have been in the Army, never once I, I have any single uh, person ever mentioned Dublin. So I think that was really interesting. But he says, he goes on to say, you make a good point, but but actually Dublin was very real. And I'm like, okay, my father used to mention it occasionally before he passed. And the only reason I remember it because I found it ironic that a town named Dublin was populated by only by almost exclusively military personnel and their families. And then he would say, I would dig around for a shirt back home. I don't know what he's look, kind of shirt he's looking for. And if I remember correctly, the town was built as part of Project Sanguine in the mid to late 60s. Maybe everyone left when the project was canceled. But I thought something went very wrong. You could only dig up so much turf for so long before you're bound to have problems. And so, so he, he was like... I even though I don't really think there is a Dublin, Wisconsin. Again, I, my father would talk about it. People would talk about it. And the other thing he mentioned was the freaky bit is how many in my family from Wisconsin say they remember Dublin, Wisconsin. I think when he said he was going to dig around for a shirt, he probably recalls somebody wearing a shirt with Dublin on it. Right. Right. And there is a picture out there, which I'll put on my social media sites, of a person in a restaurant. It was a man and woman, and the man's a waiter, and the woman is with him. I don't know if it's his wife, a girlfriend, or just a friend, whatever. And they're sitting at a table, and people have said, either it's fake, obviously, or people are convinced that someone took a picture at this restaurant in Dublin, Wisconsin. And brought this picture for it. Now, it's up to you what you think. But, you know, I just find it so interesting that people, first of all, 
sort of remember a town and that this was part of a project that kind of just went away. Um, right. We've, hear from, we've heard from time to time, right, Tracy, where people right. have said, oh, the so. military did this or the military did that. And they released these classified documents. Let's use, let's use UFOs and aliens, right? They finally came out and said, yep, yep, they're UFOs. They're real. Yep. <laughs> there you go. So what do you think? What do you think? You think there is a Dublin, Wisconsin? You think it ever existed, Tracy? Um, well, for myself being in Minnesota, I like how all these people are saying, I've never heard of a Dublin or, you know, I, if somebody gave me a small town name or even a large town name in Minnesota, I can't tell you without looking at a map if it actually exists because there are so many small towns. So for people to say, you know, no matter where I've lived all over Minnesota as well, I've lived in Northern Minnesota, I've lived in Southern Minnesota, but there are still many towns that I've passed through that I'm like, you know, like around by us, there's a teeny tiny little town called Day. There's a teeny teeny tiny little town called Coin. Never knew they existed. So to say that in there are towns that start off and just dissipate. So I can't say whether it actually existed or not. To me, the name sounds familiar, Dublin, mm-hmm. but that I may have heard it from another state or something different. But Dublin definitely sounds familiar to me. Mm-hmm. But whether it existed or not, I don't know. The militaries and the government are good at covering things up. <laughs> yeah, aren't they? Yeah, aren't they? they are. They're, they're, they're totally good at that. And, and again, I don't know what to think. I do know when I used to, I used to go fishing a lot when I was younger, uh, before I got married and had a family, uh, nothing against my kids and my family because I love them, but I didn't have the time to do as much as I would like. Right. Hopefully in retirement, I went. But I used to go off. North all the time, uh, the furthest peninsulas, right? And frankly, I saw small towns with literally a grocery store, gas pump, couple homes, yep. uh, maybe a little cafe or bar, and that was it. That was the town. That was the town. Right. And that town disappeared. You blink, you miss it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If that town disappears, Tracy. Tracy. Okay. It's gone. I don't. Right. I don't know what to tell you. So I, I kind of, I kind of, some of it, I kind of believe in the sense there was a town that got destroyed by the military. In the sense of the military left and everybody just went, oh whatever, oh whatever. If you go on Google Maps and look, you will not find it. Obviously, all right. you'll see is just basically there's a town, a little town near there. Uh, and just basically fields and hills, just like in Wisconsin and Minnesota. It's just nothing, right? So you know what so, you need to do? You need yeah, to find ahead. somebody that has, remember those books that we used to carry around in our car? I can't remember what they're, they were map books. Yeah, yeah, Atlas yeah, books, yeah. yeah. Well, not even the Atlas, well, the Atlas one would work too, but they were like, um, in the 90s, they were really popular. They were like, um, not they were like spiraled and they had multiple pages and it was like for the whole state. Right. And it had like 
maps for each town and stuff like that. So we need to find somebody who hoards and kept on, held on to all of those. Because if, if Dublin existed, it'd be in that map book. You need to find it outside of the internet in reality. <laughs> all right. You got me on a mission, Tracy. <laughs> I can't remember book. what they're called, though, but they were really nice books. Every year they would come out with a new one. Yeah, I can't remember them either. Boy, there's a Mandela effect in effect right there. Right? <laughs> but even an Atlas, even an Atlas, because. You know, there was a day where we weren't controlled by the internet. We actually had to go and look up at the Dewey Decimal System to find, you know, certain books in a library. <laughs> yes, my my children, just really quickly, as a quick offshoot, my kids, when I told them, you know, when your dad had to do research for a book report, you know what I had to do? I actually had to read. <laughs> and had to go to the library. And my, and my, I remember my son saying something really funny. He goes, Oh, you're a sucker, Dad. <laughs> like, thanks a lot. Thanks son. a lot. <laughs> yeah, my youngest loves libraries. Mm. And it's funny because she's a total, you know, Gen Z, but she loves books. She loves libraries. Um, she would live at one if she could, which is crazy. So she's it's my crazy. My Gen Zer that should have been a Gen Xer. <laughs> um, so I'm going to put this out to my spooky friends and Tracy's uh, followers too. If anyone knows anything about Dublin, Wisconsin, uh, DairylandFrights at gmail.com. Send me something. Uh, if you remember what those books are that Tracy and I are trying to figure out, send that to us too. But before we end up, for I'm going to go to the Goodwill and see if I can find an old map book. I love it. I love it. Keep me informed, Tracy. I will. Um, so, Tracy, before we end up the show, because we could talk about this for hours, I love you. you you've been great. Uh, some great stories and uh, love being someone from the Midwest so we can kind of get that Midwest feel back on the show here. Um, <laughs> so tell me about what's going, coming up on Total Conundrum. What do you guys got planned? Anything really cool? Uh, just uh, my spooky friends would love to know. Yeah, we have a couple of fun episodes coming out. We just had one that we released, I think it was on Thursday, where, are you familiar with Ghost Hunters? Yes. The show Ghost Hunters, and the, they have their TAPS team. Yeah. Well, we interviewed Jenny from TCPS Paranormal, um, Twin Cities Paranormal Society, and she's a part of the Minnesota TAPS team. I didn't know that TAPS had teams in every state. And we interviewed her because she used to work at the Palmer House Hotel. So we have all sorts of fun, spooky stories from her. And I was telling, I kind of went over the research I found at the, for the um, Palmer House. And she's researched that place multiple times. She's invested, or she's researched it in and out. She's investigated it, plus worked there and so it was kind of fun to tell her what i found on the internet and what she told me whether it was true or not so that was a great episode and i think it ended up being close to two hours i could have talked to her for 10 she was amazing um we have an episode that's going to be coming out this thursday we're touching on cursed movie sets oh nice 
yeah, Exorcist, The Omen, uh, The Crow, stuff like that. Uh, Poltergeist. And then uh, we, uh, the next week after that, we interviewed Nash Hoover, who's from Minnesota, and he has a YouTube channel called Chasing Legends, and they go out and try to find the elusive cryptids. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we've got a few fun episodes coming out. Yeah, that looks that looks great and everything. And uh, yeah. that's one thing people don't understand with cryptids in the Midwest. Like, there's some pretty big ones. Like, we have the oh, wow. uh, Beast of Bray Road, which is a werewolf. We also have yeah. Hodag. Uh, which is a, the whole day, yes. Which is kind of a funny yeah. one. We did an episode on that, so yeah, that that sounds really interesting. I, I love all that stuff coming up, and I'll, I'm definitely going to listen. And uh, hopefully, my spooky friends will give you a listen too, because uh, one of the things that we were talking about, Tracy, we're independent podcasts, so we don't yeah. have the huge budgets like all those. Uh, big podcast out there. So if you're listening to us, please rate us five stars, like us, subscribe to us. You know, I recommend Total Conundrum as well as all the other people, uh, podcasts and paranormal investigators, whoever have on my show, because, hey, we need the love too, right, Tracy? We do. We do. <laughs> awesome. We need so, all sorts of love. Yes. So again, thank you so much. You're awesome. Uh, love to have you back on the show again uh, soon sometime. Maybe we can talk about cryptids this time. Yeah. Make sure Jeremy's feeling up to it too. Yeah. <laughs> tell Jeremy to feel better. Definitely. Uh, any, anyway, so we end every show by saying, say hi to your ghost. So hello, ghost. Because you never know, right? <laughs> and we say, stay spooky. Stay spooky. Thanks, Tracy. Love you. Thank Have a you. Good day. You too.